So Perikei, chapter 5, which we're going to start this evening, hopefully start and hopefully end, is the last of the Prakim, is the last of the chapters that are devoted to discussing the Nefesh Alekis. We started way back in Perik Base in chapter 2. If you remember the quick recap, chapter 1 of Tanya started out with a bunch of different uh, questions, Bunch of different Mamari Chazal, bunch of different Gemaras, Tzadik, Bainli, Rasha. And then we moved immediately on to the two soul doctrine, the idea of Nefesh Lakis and Nefesh Bahamas. That was mentioned in brief. And for a moment we discussed the Nefesh Bahamas in the end of chapter one. And then immediately at Perik Bayes, chapter two, we began discussing the Nefesh Lakis. Chapter two discussed the substance of the Nefesh Lakis, its DNA. That it's a, it starts off with saying that the nefesh alikis, the godly soul, the neshama, is a chilek alikam imal mamash. It's a literally godliness. It's alikus. And the rest of the parak elaborated on what that means. What does it mean that the neshama is alikus? Chapter 3, Perik Gimel spoke about the internal constitution of the neshama and how the neshama internally is divided into two primary areas, seichel and midas, intellect and emotions. That was chapter 3. Chapter 4 spoke about the levushim. I want to say the external components of the neshama. The machshava dibar maisa of the neshama, the thought, speech, and action. And in the course of chapter 4, we also explained how important these uh, external components, these tools, these levushim, these garments are because it is only through thought, speech, and action that a yid, the neshama, can engage in Torah and mitzvahs and the Torah and mitzvahs is the only way to connect to Hashem not seichel and not midas, not the intellect and not the emotions, not the love, not the fear, all that the only way that the intellect and the emotions connect to Hashem is if and when the intellect and emotions are invested in the thought, speech, and actions of Torah mitzvahs. Torah mitzvahs are the tools through which we can connect to Hashem. I have. It's taken care of. Um, <clears throat> those are the tools through which we connect to Hashem. Um, the, a Hashem that naturally is um, unreachable, we would not be able to connect to Hashem otherwise, but Hashem gave us this gift of Torah and mitzvahs, and through them we can connect to Hashem. And moreover, when our mind and when our heart is invested in Torah and mitzvahs, then not only <laughs> thank you, then not only are the not only are the machshava dibar the thought, speech, and action connected to Hashem, but my heart would my, my heart which loves Hashem which is invested in the mitzvahs, and my heart which fears Hashem, which is also invested in the mitzvahs, so my heart also becomes connected to Hashem. And when my mind is immersed in the thought and speech of studying Torah, then my mind also connects to Hashem. And what we have all in all is an entire neshama, an entire person, that's completely bound up and connected to Hashem. That's what we've learned up until this point. Perik chapter 5, is, is uh, an incredible Perik. However, you can also argue that it's a little parenthetical, the entire chapter. Perik 
you might want to say is based on something which we say every single morning in brachas. When we say, we talk about a bunch of very important mitzvahs um, that have no, uh, they have no limit to how much uh, we're supposed to do them. And moreover, that we receive reward for them in the next world and in this world. And the last words of the b'risa that we say in the morning is which means that the study of Torah is the equivalent of them all. The study of Torah is the equal of all the mitzvahs combined, put together. And uh, we all know, as Yidin, we all know that Limud uh, HaTorah, the mitzvah of learning Torah, is um, one of the greatest mitzvahs that we have. Perhaps the greatest mitzvah that we have. That's the argument that's made by this b'risa. V'talmud Torah k'neged kulam. And this begs the question, what is so special about learning Torah that makes it above and beyond and that makes it uh, so much greater than all the other mitzvahs? Why is learning Torah more important than putting up a mezuzah? Anyone has an answer? Why is learning Torah so important? Because it's important. I mean, it's a mitzvah, so it's important because it's a mitzvah. All the mitzvah it's in the Torah. Okay. So if you learn Torah, all the mitzvah, whatever you do, the whole, it's in there. So this was better than everything else. Because it includes mitzvahs without learning the Torah, because you need to know how to do the mitzvah. So Gadol Talmud Shemevili De Maisa, you're saying, which means yeah. that learning is great because that's how you know how. But that's a technical answer, you realize. You didn't say what kind of. Answer and actually, by the way, if I say that Torah is important. <laughs> Uh, it's it's a correct answer, but yeah. also if I say Torah is important in as much as it teaches me how to do mitzvahs, then which one is the most important one? That again? If I say that Torah is important because it teaches me how to do mitzvahs, then which is the most important? The mitzvah. It would seem right. But the Talmud Torah can. It's a prerequisite of doing the mitzvah. Right. Right. Or actual mitzvah. Right. And what, you, what, you're, what, you're say, what you're saying is correct. What you're saying is, and, and learning Torah. But if you look at it also from in the larger perspective, in the Tanya perspective, which is that what is the purpose of mitzvahs and what is the purpose of Torah, as discussed in the last chapter? To connect. To connect, Hashem. There we go. You're in tune. You know, you, you're, you're with it. That's the buzzword. Right? You said a hundred times last week. Correct. Okay, so he <laughs> went in. That every mitzvah is another avenue how to connect Hashem. To use the words of the Alter Rebbe, Ramach Avrin, the 240, Ramach Pikudin, the 248 mitzvahs are Ramach Avrin, the Malka, the 248 limbs of the king of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which means that every time I do a mitzvah, that's another limb, that's another way to draw Chayis, um, to draw strength and to draw vitality and energy from Hashem and to connect to Hashem. Just like a limb is connected to the neshama, every mitzvah connects us to Hashem. So if the purpose of Torah mitzvah is connecting to Hashem, when I wash Negel Vasar in the morning, I connect to Hashem, because I'm doing what Hashem wants. Right? And when we say that the mitzvah connects you to Hashem, that's not only a mitzvah da iraisa, it's not only a mitzvah which is men ha-Torah, but also every mitzvah. A mitzvah of the Chacham So when I wash Nagel Vasar, I connect to Hashem. When I learn Torah, I connect to Hashem. So what's the difference? Wash one has more more important than I can wash Nagel Vasar all day. More weight over, over. Does Torah have another? If if if, if, if connecting to Hashem is the goal of all of Torah mitzvahs, then what is the difference? Is there is there a substantive difference between Torah mitzvahs? 
In other words, the argument that you made earlier is a technical one more. That why is Torah more important? Because if I don't learn Torah, I don't know how to do any mitzvahs. But in, in terms of connecting to Hashem, at this moment when we're studying Torah right now, I'm connecting to Hashem. When I'm shaking a lulav, I'm on sukkis, right? I'm connecting to Hashem. If I'm doing a yid a favor, I'm connecting to Hashem. So in terms of, is there a difference in terms of the connection? Yes. I don't know if there's a connection, but I mean, the thing is that uh, it could be that learning Torah is the greatest mitzvah, but whenever the time comes to do a certain mitzvah, and uh, like, for example, uh, uh, you know, you're moving into a house, and uh, you have to put up mezuzahs, so you have to stop learning Torah at that time to put up the mezuzahs. But, uh, I mean, uh, it could be the best mitzvah, but, you know, every mitzvah has its time, and when you have to do it, you have to do it. You're making a very important point. Al Rebbe is not going to discuss that in this period, but later on in Perik Chav Gimel, in chapter 23, the Alter Rebbe is going to talk about that, how, on the one hand, Torah is the most important mitzvah, as we're going to see soon. On the other hand, if there's a mitzvah that has to be done, and no one else can do it, so if you're at Sukkot morning and you're busy learning Torah, Comes time to shake lulav and Esther, you have to stop learning your Torah and you have to uh, you have to um, shake your lulav. And if it comes in the morning, it's time for Krishna, You got to say your Krishna. So that's something that we have to understand, and it's not going to be addressed in this parak. Parak of Gimel, chapter twenty-three. We're almost there. Maybe you can say Torah you connect it in a bigger way. I mean, uh, it's a bigger connection as opposed to doing the other mitzvahs. Yes. You're, you're misleading. In other words. You're, you're, you're beginning to connect with HaKadosh Baruch His wisdom. The Torah is God's wisdom. And therefore, you're trying to integrate that into you. So this is exactly what we're going to learn in, in, in Perikei. Perikei is going to talk about why the Talmud Torah connected Kulam. It means not only that when I learn Torah, I know to do all the other mitzvahs. So that makes Torah a, a mitzvah klalis. It makes it a general mitzvah. But also, in terms of the connection that I generate with Hashem, that I create with Hashem, there is nothing that comes near to Torah. The unity that I have with Hashem when I study Torah is incomparably greater than the unity that I have with Hashem when I do every mitzvah. Even though, as we said earlier, every mitzvah connects me to Hashem. And that remains correct, obviously. But in mitzvahs, limud ha-Torah, and specifically yidiyas ha-Torah, the mitzvah of understanding Torah, connects me to Hashem in a much deeper and greater and profound way and creates a much greater unity between me and Hashem and that's going to be what we're going to be learning about in this Perik and we're going to learn the reason why and let's do inside, let's start inside, Perik Hei to understand better, Beir Hetev, understand very well Lashen Tfisa the meaning of the word Tfisa which means grasping which Amar Eliyahu, which Eliyahu Navi says, we say it um, in Pasach Aliyah, when, when Aliyah Navi said, Les There is no thought, there is no mind that can grasp you, Hashem. Les there is no thought, Tfisa Bach, that can grasp you. This is, uh, we had this in last week, in, in last Perik, where it says that Hashem cannot be grasped only through Teirah Mitzvahs. You had it, uh, if you look, two, four, Eight lines. Eight lines from the top of the page. Less machshava tfisa beklal. There is no thought that can grasp Hashem, and those are words which were uttered by Eliyahu Navi, as recorded in Tikkun Isaiah, 
um, in Pasach Elio, Elio Navi says that there's no thought that can grasp you. Now, the word grasp is a little interesting, especially in Hebrew. Because the word grasp implies like uh, in your hand, when you grasp something. As opposed to a word which less machshava, mavin, no thought can understand, or masig. The word grasp, the word tfisa is a, a funny word which now the Rebbe is going to explain. Yes? It says in here, apprehend. Apprehend. But maybe it's comprehend. It could no, comprehend would make sense, but the word actually is tfisa, which would be more like apprehend, right? So no thought can can toif, can be toifus, can apprehend or can grasp Hashem, besides for when we study Torah. Hine says the mind, the brain. When the mind understands and grasps some idea, what happens at that moment? Your mind at that moment is actually grasping, just like a hand holding on to something. That idea and is encompassing it in his mind. And the idea that is being understood, Nitvas is being grasped to Mukov and being encompassed and encoved within the mind. Which understood it. Meaning to say as follows. When I understand something, when I learn something, when I understand it, any idea, any concept, any intellectual concept, let's say uh, I'm new to math, and someone explains to me the idea of 2 plus 2 equals 4. And I struggle with the idea for a bit, and finally it makes sense to me, I get it, I understand it. At that moment, at that moment when I understand it, what happens is, that my mind now encompasses that idea, obviously not in a physical way, and that idea now has become part of me. Two plus two is four, is part of every single one of us sitting around the table. It's part of who we are, it's part of our understanding, it's part of our perspective, it's, the part, of the, it's, it's part of the way we look at everything. It's the way we think. If it's the way I think, then it becomes part of me. So when I understand something, the idea is fully grasped and integrated and absorbed within my mind and becomes absolutely one with who I am. Moreover, and this is something, by the way, which remains forever. It's not only while I'm thinking about it. It's not only that while I'm thinking 2 plus 2 is 4 is this part of my mind. The moment I understood it and it became part of my, uh, you want to call it my knowledge base, it became part of the way I think, from here and on, this idea has become part of who I am, part of my identity. And as we grow older and as we learn more things, so we become changed people. Why? Because five years ago I knew a lot less things. Now there are many more things that are part of who I am, many more ideas, many more thoughts. And then there's something else, vigam, and, more, and furthermore, at the time when I am studying something, not, o- not only does my brain encompass the idea, but metaphorically speaking, um, 
not figuratively speaking, the idea also encompasses my mind. My mind encompasses the idea, and the idea encompasses my mind. Meaning, when I'm busy studying something, so I am fully immersed and subsumed and absorbed in this idea, which is why I can't think any other thoughts at that moment, which is very different when I'm thinking than something else. So, for example, I could be doing something, um, but my hands could be doing it, and my mind could be elsewhere. I could be speaking something, and my mind could be elsewhere. Um, case in point, Shemayin Esrei. Um, but when I'm thinking something, my mind can't be elsewhere. Because the nature of something is that when I'm thinking something, I am absorbed in the idea. So here we have these two opposite things. On the one hand, when I understand something, the idea becomes absorbed within me. I grasp the idea. And at the time when I'm busy thinking about it, also the idea is, enco is encompassing my mind. I'm absorbed within that idea. In Yiddish, they would say, in the idea that I'm studying. I'm completely absorbed in it. So it's like, it's a, I'm absorbing it, and it's absorbing me. I'm encompassing the idea, and the idea is encompassing me. I just want to point out, this is only while I'm studying it. After I study, when I go and I have my lunch break, so at that time, the idea remains absorbed within me, but I have moved out of the idea. Then the, then the encompassing is only one way. So while I'm studying, the encompassing is, is two ways. That I am encompassing the idea and absorbing the idea. At the same time, the idea encompasses and absorbs me. And afterwards, then it remains a one-directional um, unity. That's what he's going to say inside. Vigam. And also... The mind is completely um, absorbed in the idea at that moment that you're busy understanding it at that moment when you're busy trying to grasp it in your mind. And now he's going to give a Torah example. Derech Mashal, for example. When a person understands and grasps a halacha of the Mishnah or the Gemara, La Ashura understands it well, Al Buria. Because if you fully want to absorb it and become one with it, you have to understand it well. It has to become part of the way that you think now. It has to become part of you. So So your mind is grasping and encompassing this idea, this halacha of the Mishnah or the Gemara. Vigam and also Sikhle Mulubashba, your mind is encompassed by the idea of Isa Shah at that moment when you're studying. Vihine Halachazu, this halacha that you're learning. Ki Khachmasa Yuritsoine Shalakadash Baruchum. What are you learning right now? The Allah you're learning is wisdom. Is the wisdom and, and the will of Hashem. That it arose in Hashem's will. Let's say you're learning a halacha in Cheshen Mishpat. Or in Rambam Hilchas Toyin Vinitan. You're learning a, a Gemara and Bab Metziah. So Ruvain comes and Ruvain uh, comes to Bezin and he claims such and such. And Shim encounters by arguing and claiming uh, 
such and such. So God desired, it is the will of Hashem, it is the Ratzon of Hashem. This is what Hashem decided in His infinite will. That that the verdict, the ruling should be kach vekach. That is Hashem's wisdom and that is Hashem's will. Even if it never happened, it never occurred that Reuven should come to Bezdin and say this, and Shimon should come to the Bezdin and say this. And for those of you who learn Gemara, we can well imagine, we know how sometimes the scenarios that the Gemara presents are so, uh, how should we put it kindly? Far-fetched. Are so far-fetched, thank you, are so far-fetched. That there are many of them which is very easy to envision that they never occurred and they never will occur. So you might be wondering, so why am I learning this? What's the point of me learning Allah which never happened and never will happen? So again, even if this thing never happened, it never will be to come that actually such uh, to come to court, tainus, utvius, elu, such complaints and such um, such litigation. McCall came still, you're missing the point. It's irrelevant whether it happened. It's irrelevant whether it's whether it will happen. If you're learning Torah because you want to know how to pask in a halacha in Bezdin, you're missing the point. That's not why we learn Torah. McCall Mokim still, this is what arose in the will and in the wisdom of Hashem. Shem yitain zekach, that if one person should argue such another person argues such Hashem decided in his wisdom and his will that the verdict should be such so if so when a person understands and grasps in his mind this halachic psak this halachic ruling according to the halacha as it is set out and established by Mishnah in the Mishnah or the Gemara or in the or in the works of the Paiskim. So at this moment, at this moment, what are you accomplishing when you learn this Allah? At this moment, you are understanding and grasping and encompassing in your mind the wisdom and the will of Hashem, the less Fisa the wisdom and will of Hashem, which essentially no mind can grasp it. No mind can grasp, not Hashem. No mind can grasp, not Hashem, nor His will, nor His wisdom. Ki'im, the only way that we can grasp Hashem and His will and His wisdom is as they are invested in the halachas, as they are established before us. And moreover, as, is, as explained earlier, not only is my mind encompassing this halacha, in other words, it's not only is my mind encompassing at this moment God's wisdom and God's will, but also my mind is also at this moment being encompassed and grasped and embraced by Hashem and by His wisdom and His will. This is a wondrous, a wondrous union, this unity that occurs between me and the halacha that I am studying. And between me and Hashem's wisdom and will is a union. There is no such unity. The lake erke, nothing even close. Nimtza to be found, call it all. The Gashmi is in the physical world. That you have two entities 
which are liyesh la'achadim umyuchadim, which become one and the same mamish, literally, mikol tzad opina from every side and from every angle. This is this is this is mind blowing. It's awesome when we understand what happens when we're studying Torah. The union that we are experiencing with Hashem when we study Torah is unparalleled in this world. Because the example we gave earlier, what? So I'm holding this in my hand. I'm holding it in my hand, but there's my hand and there's the cup. It remains two separate things. But when I study Torah and when I understand it well, there are no two separate things. The Torah becomes part of me. As the Alter Rebbe is going to explain soon, later on, that's why Torah is called Mazin. You know, the Torah is compared to different sorts of food. You know, it's compared to water and to bread. Because just like food, you ingest it and it becomes part of you. You learn Torah, you understand it, and it becomes part of you. So what is becoming part of you? Hashem. Because, as we mentioned earlier, we're talking here in the earlier chapters, we're talking here about Hashem and His Chachma and His Ratzin and His wisdom and His will. And who the Chachma Echad? He's one with His wisdom. And who Ritzayi Echad? He's one with His will. They're not two separate entities. So when we're learning Torah, we're connecting to Hashem in a manner that there's nothing like it, period. There's no such union. Yes. If you want to be united with Hashem, you have to follow His mercy and follow His there. You, you definitely connect to Hashem through going in His ways. At the same time, the unity through learning Torah is a much greater unity. So why do you have to have the unity of going in His ways also? It's a question for another day. In terms of the achtos with Hashem that we create, there's nothing that holds a candle to limit Torah. Yes. Somebody could be giving a, uh, a shear, and there could be uh, people in the audience who might be learning on ten, ten different levels, but if the person on the simplest level is able to have a simple understanding, is his union the same as uh, somebody who, uh, uh, you, know, is, you know, is more of a going? I mean, is it the simple act that at that level, which he's capable of, he understands it, even if it's very simple? Yeah, the, the, the Alter Rebbe doesn't say here that you, the level of unity depends on the depth of your understanding. doesn't say that. Anytime I understand a halacha and Torah, even if it's on a simple level, and you have to remember that even the wisest person, his understanding is also simple in comparison to Hashem, the unity, that, that incredible unity is experienced. If you don't understand it, sorry. Well, what's if you don't understand it, then you have no unity. Then you have unity. That we're going to get to soon. It depends what. Well, if you learn this, we discussed this last week. If I learn, if I learn Gemara, I don't understand it. I didn't do anything. Torah you have to understand in order to do the mitzvah. But if I read Torah Shabal Peshabiksav, let's say uh, a person's an Amaretz and they can't understand Gemara, so their Yitzah. The mitzvah of limit ha by reading, they read Chumash, you don't have to understand the word. And you can make a bracha before and b'chus But that union, they, they, they have the unity just like by every mitzvah. Remember, we unite through Hashem every single time we do a mitzvah, including the mitzvah of limit ha But here we're talking about the mitzvah of Yidiyah Satera, that's something else. 
understanding Torah. More intense unity. It's a, superficial unity. We're going to talk about mitzvah soon. It's a different level of unity. In mitzvahs, we don't have this unity through Limda Torah, and the exact difference we're going to explain in a moment. But I want to take a break a little for a moment, and I want to talk about... Um, there's a Gemara in Yuma. A fascinating Gemara, which says that Reb... Uh, um, Hillel Mechayiv Aniyim and Abelazar ben Kharsum is Mechayiv Ashirim. Which means that if a person comes up to heaven after 120 years, and as we know, the Gemara says in Masech the Shabbos, and when you come up to, to Shamayim, so they ask you a few questions, and one of the questions they ask you right away was, Sorry? Did you, were you, yeah, did you learn Torah? Did you Kaveya, were you Kaveya, Kavata Itim, were you Kaveya Itim to study Torah? Did you, uh, Designate times to study Torah. What's the Lashna? Pasuk Reishis, Madin, something. There's a Pasuk, therefore, the first thing they ask you is about Limudat Torah. So what happens if a person comes up Lamaila for 120 years and they ask him, why didn't you study Torah? Or why didn't you study Torah as you should have studied Torah? So he says, listen, I really wanted to, but I was poor. I was uh, horribly poor, I had no money, I had a family to support, and I had to spend push it, uh, every spare moment that I had to try to make a parnasa, to put some food in my, children, uh, my children's mouths and to put a roof over their head. So the Gemara says, which means that they pull, they, they, they go and they summon, they send a subpoena to Ganeden, they pull in Hillel, and they say, you see this guy, you weren't poorer than him. We all know this is a famous story about Hillel that he used to, right? That he used to make a, he used to make a coin, a small little coin every single day, half of which he would spend on his own uh, needs and his family's needs, and the other half he would go to the base medrash and he would give it to the doorman to be able to enter. And one day, which we have to realize, can you imagine the mysterious nefesh of giving away half your earnings on a daily basis to be able to enter? Uh, you know, imagine if he was standing by the door, you had to give him half your daily earnings to come into the shir today. Nobody would beer. No one would beer, right? <laughs> no, you'd beer. You'd come. You'd come. <laughs> and then the day came, and the, the Parnassus didn't go well. So he only had the half a coin. And he wasn't, see, and he had to spend it on his family. So that's when he went up on the skylight and it snowed on him. So the Bazin tells this person, you weren't, you weren't more poor than Hilo. And take a look. Hillel studied Torah, he became one of the greatest sages in Klal Yisrael. So therefore, your excuse isn't accepted. Hillel, Mechaev, Anim, Hillel is the one who uh, allows the Bezin Shalmaila to find the poor people guilty. Then the Gemara says, That if someone comes up to heaven and says the exact opposite, I wanted to learn Torah, but I was too rich. I don't really understand that, what that means. But basically, I had so many different uh, investments. investments and companies and portfolios. I did so much chesed, I had no time to learn. And uh, <laughs> I was busy with my, with my, with my uh, stock dealer day and night, and uh, I didn't have time to learn Torah properly. So then they say there's another Tan, whose name was Rebbe Lazar ben Kharsam. And he was... Phenomenally wealthy. The Gemara says, I think about him, that he owned 400, uh, 400 cities and 400 ships. And all he did was he studied Torah. He had nothing to do with it, I guess, was inherited wealth. And he sat and studied. The Gemara talks about how once he's busy sitting in one of the cities that he owns, and he's sitting in the shul and he's learning. 
And suddenly his own servants, who don't know who he is, because they never saw him, because he was always sitting learning Torah, they come and they draft him to work. And he had to pay off his servants so he should be able to sit and learn Torah. His own servants, because they didn't believe him. When he said, you know, I'm your boss, they didn't believe him. <laughs> so they tell this person that comes up to heaven, he says, listen, you weren't, you weren't wealthier than Abel Ezra ben Kharsam. And if he was able to study Torah, then you also could have studied Torah. So Abel Ezra ben Kharsam, Mechayiv Hashirah. So the Rebbe speaks about this in a sikha, and the Rebbe asks an obvious question. The Rebbe says, you know, the story sounds very cute. I'm paraphrasing, the Rebbe doesn't say that. But, um, you know, comes to Bezdin, says this, they pull in the Elijah ben Kharsam, they pull in Hillel. In Bezdin Shalom, my law, every single thing that a person did, every hour, every moment is recorded. You know, today with 24-hour surveillance, we, could, uh, we can understand it. So when the person comes up to Bezdin Shalmaila and he says, I was too poor to study Torah. So it's very simple. Bezdin, they don't have to pull in Hillel. They don't have to pull in anyone. They pull out the books. Is he saying the truth or not? Or is he bluffing? If Take, he was saying the truth, and Itake didn't have time to study Torah, then we know that according to Allah, that if someone Take is very poor and doesn't have any, any time, then your Yitzah, the mitzvah of Limud HaTayra with Perik Echad Shachras, Perik Echad Arvis, you learn one Perik Mishnayis in the morning and one Perik Mishnayis at night and there's a day on the Gemara, opinion the Gemara, if I remember correctly, Reb Shem says you're even Yitzah was saying the Pasuk Shema Yisrael in the morning and Shema Yisrael at night. So if he's saying the truth they didn't have a spare moment, then what are you harassing him for? He was Potter. According to Allah, he was Taka Potter from learning Torah. And if he's bluffing, and if he really did have time, and instead he was busy reading the newspaper, or in today's uh, world he was on his uh, phone, right? Then again, why do you have to bother Hillel? What do you need Hillel for? Ben should tell him, stop packing a chinik. <laughs> and this day, at this time, you could have been studying Torah, you weren't. So whichever, whichever way you look at it, why do we need Hillel? Why do we need Hillel? It's, a it's one of those questions that after it's asked, you wonder why you didn't think of that question in the first place. It's such a simple question. And the Rebbe says like this. You're, you're right. You're, you're, not, you're not that far off. We're talking about a person who is Taki Potter from Taki didn't have any time to learn. So if you're going to pull out the Shulchan Aruch, it's not going to help you or anything. You're going to pull out the ledger, every moment of his time was occupied. So what does the Bezan do? They say, take a look at this guy, Hilo. He also was Pater from Limitatera. He also was too poor and didn't have time. But he learned anyways, even though he didn't have time. Now the Gemara says in Masechtas Megillah, that uh, after a meal, you stopped, you're stuffed. But when the dessert comes, suddenly there's some space. Suddenly there's a little space left for the good dessert. When you want to make space, there is space. When you want to learn Torah, you learn Torah. If you realize, if you realize what Torah is, if you realize that Torah is our connection to Hashem, that Torah is our lifeline, that when we learn Torah, we experience a unity with Hashem, which is incomparable, which no other mitzvah even can accomplish. Then you find the time, you make the time, you cut your time, you cut some time off from eating, and you cut your time off from sleeping, and you cut corners in your business, and you make it your business to study, to, to learn Torah. 
Now, if the person didn't learn Torah, according to Allah, he's Potter. Hitake didn't have the time. But the Bezin Shalmaila comes and says, I understand that according to Allah, you were Potter. But why didn't you love Hashem enough to make time anyways? Take a look at Hilal. Take a look at Rabbi Lazar ben Kharsam. You can say I'm not in the Hilal level. <laughs> Hilal was such a great tzaddik, he can do it. I can do it. I hear you. He could become a tzaddik. The bottom line is, every yid, every yid has an ashama. And every yid wants to connect to Hashem. And if you take a few moments to think about what learning Torah is, and how this is our connection to Hashem. We all know what this means. When there's something in our life which is a priority, when there's something which is very important to us, we make it happen. Make it happen. If we learn Perik Hay, if we learn this Perik and Tanya, and we understand what Limud HaTayra is, the unity that we create with Hashem, incomparable. And that Pashat, we're ingesting, when we learn Torah, we're ingesting Hashem within us. The concepts, those halachas you learn, that's Hashem. That's Hashem's wisdom and that's Hashem's will. And who of the Chachmasayachat, he's one with his wisdom and his will. This is an unparalleled unity. And if a relationship with Hashem is your priority, how didn't you make time to learn Torah? And if it's not your, if it wasn't your priority, then that's not a problem. So again, this is is this in the level of the Timishur Sadin? Yes. But that's what is demanded of Ayid, that his relationship with Hashem should be so important that whatever it, whatever it is, you make time, you make time to study Torah. What does it mean like Lord Hashem's wisdom if humans were the ones that wrote it? That's a good question. Um, but beyond the scope. In other words, we have to accept certain premises over here. It doesn't mean that the question is invalid. It's a very good question, but it's not really the... It's not the point of the Pedic, so we're, we're not going to digress. And uh, especially since it's not a simple answer, and there are many different ways of, of seeing it and of understanding it. But um, just suffice it to say that before you sit and you learn Gemara in the morning, you have to make a bracha, a And a you say, right? You're thanking Hashem for giving us this Torah, the Gemara. It's not, you know, we, and we don't just say that when we learn Chumash. Which means that we accept as a fact that this Gemara is Hashem's Torah. How that works, that's a discussion for a different time, a different place. Inside, half of, half of the way down from the top of page 18. And now we're going to explain how this is different than all the other mitzvahs of the Torah. How this is how in this way Torah, learning Torah is different than any, the performance of any other mitzvah. And this is the advantage, an incredible advantage. A wondrous and great and infinite advantage. Which there is to the mitzvah of understanding Torah and knowing Torah. Over all other um, physical mitzvahs, action-oriented mitzvahs, even mitzvahs which are connected to speech. This, there's a mitzvah of, uh, of learning Torah orally, verbally, articulating Torah. But that's not what we're talking about here. Right now we're talking about the mitzvah of understanding Torah, of knowing Torah. 
So the Rebbe is going to say, by every mitzvah, when we do a mitzvah, remember we said earlier, how when we learn Torah, we are encompassing Hashem, and Hashem is encompassing us. And by every other mitzvah, it works only one way. We're not encompassing Hashem, Hashem is only encompassing us. The unity is a, is a unidirectional um, unity. By every other mitzvah, with the exception of the mitzvah of understanding Torah. So what's Machshava Kemaseh? What is Machshava Kemaseh? I think about the mitzvah, I don't do it, like I did the mitzvah. So I'm connected to Hashem. No. That doesn't mean that doesn't say machshava is like limit hatera. We're talking about yidias hatera, the mitzvah of yidias hatera. So, when I sorry when, when I do a mitzvah, nothing about me is changing when I do a mitzvah. Think about that for a moment. When I knock a mezuzah up on my door. At that moment, what I'm doing, I am right now being encompassed by Hashem's will. Meaning that I'm, being, I'm preoccupied in doing what Hashem wants. Has anything within me changed? Have I become a different person? When I learned Torah, the point of Torah is that something changes. Every time I learn Torah, my mind now is forever more changed. There's a new idea here. That godly idea which I just learned has now become part of me. When I do a mitzvah, nothing in me changes internally. Now, does a mitzvah have an impact on me? Yeah, it will have an impact on me. But not in the same way as learning Torah. For example, um, if I walk into... Um, in, in, the words of, in the words of Chassidus or Kabbalah, this would be called the impact of doing a mitzvah as an impact in a way of makif. Makif means, um, you, could, you, could, you could translate it as transcendent, but I'm trying to think of the better way. When, when something inspires you, but in an external way. For example, if I walk into a shul, and there's a great tzaddik standing there and davening. And davening with uh, such beauty, and such joy, and such awe, and such emotion. Will that impact me? Yes. It will impact me. But that's an impact in the way of makif. Makif means external. External. Nothing changed. Nothing changed inside me. I'm being inspired by something outside of me. Pnimi is when I ingest something, when I understand something, when something becomes part of who I am, when I process something, when I integrate something. When I learn Torah, I am processing Hashem within me. When that's not when I do a mitzvah, I'm not accomplishing that. To put it in somewhat different words, when I do a mitzvah, I am becoming bottled to Hashem. I'm doing what Hashem wants at that moment. And that creates a connection, no doubt. And that's why every single mitzvah is a way of connecting to Hashem, because when I'm doing a mitzvah, I am connecting to Hashem's, to Hashem's ratzah and to Hashem's will. But it doesn't become part of me. The mitzvah doesn't become part of me like Torah becomes part of me. There's no other way in which the, the godliness actually becomes part of who I am and part of my identity other than, other than through the Torah. Think about it. When you see a Talmud Chacham, we rise for a Talmud Chacham. 
We respect the Talmud Chacham. Why do we respect the Talmud Chacham? What if he's uh, right now uh, engaged in, uh, in business, let's say, or he's, in other words, he's not thinking Torah right now? It's not about that. A Talmud Chacham is someone who his mind is so filled with Hashem. That's what a Talmud Chacham is. How can you not respect someone like that? This person has processed so many halachas and so much of Torah and so much of that has become part of who he is and the way he thinks and the way he understands and the way he perceives things. That's why we, cannot, that's why we respect the Talmud Chacham. And that doesn't apply to someone who has done many mitzvahs. When I see someone who has done many mitzvahs, I'll definitely respect the person also, because this obviously is a person who is a servant for Hashem. But in terms of the person, who the person is, can I say this person has processed Hashem in the same way as the Talmud Chacham? No, you can't say that. You can't say that. So again, inside. Kial Yidei Kol HaMitzvahs through all mitzvahs, whether it's a mitzvah which is uh, connected to speech or to action, so Hashem encompasses your neshama while you're doing a mitzvah, and surrounds it with Hashem, with the light of Hashem, from its head to its foot. But when a person understands Torah, beside the fact that at that moment, your mind is being encompassed by Hashem's wisdom. At that moment, you have the wisdom of Hashem within you. That which your mind grasps and understands and encompasses. That which is possible for a person to grasp and understand the knowledge of Torah. Every person according to their intellectual capacity. And their and their knowledge ability and that which he can grasp bipardes in the any of the four different levels of Torah. because when you study Torah, the Torah right now is within you and within visichle within your mind and is surrounded by them. Therefore, Torah is called the sustenance of the soul. Torah is the food of the, of the soul. Just like physical bread is on a saguf. It sustains the body. When you take, when you ingest it. And within yourself. And when you eat it, it becomes... When you eat food, it becomes part of you. It becomes part of your blood and part of your flesh. And this is how we live. The same thing. When I know Torah, and when I understand it, in the, in the, in the neshama of the person, who learns it well, understanding it in, the, in their mind, until it is grasped in the mind, and becomes one with you, and you become one, so nasa mazin lanefesh, the Torah becomes the food for the neshama. The chayim bikirba, this is the life within the neshama. Mechaye chayim, from the life of all life, ein soiv baruchu, Hashem himself, hamelubash bechachmasai, v'teirasai, Hashem himself, who is to be found within 
his wisdom. And within his Torah, which is right now in my Neshama. And this is what David HaMelech says, and to heal him, your Torah is, within, is in my innards. I literally uh, ingest your Torah. And now he's going to bring down from the Yitzchayim, it says something interesting. He talks about the way it is in Ganeden. So he says over there, obviously, he uses anthropomorphic ideas. He says, That when Neshama goes up to Ganeden, the garments in Ganeden are the mitzvahs that a person has done over here in this world. And the Torah which a person learns, he has that is the food for the Neshamis in Gan Eden. The Torah Lashma, which a person learned over here in Elam Haza, that becomes the food for the Neshama in the next world. And now we understand, it makes perfect sense. We know that, as uh, Dr. Rebbe says later on in Tanya, that by we, when we understand the reward for something, we understand its essence. When we understand that the reward of Torah is that it becomes the food for the Neshama in Gan Eden. And the reward for mitzvahs is that it becomes the clothing. That's because that is what it is. When I, learn, when I do a mitzvah, Hashem's will surrounds me like clothing. And when I learn Torah, I process Hashem. I become one with Hashem. I unite with Hashem. Like I become one with my food and like it becomes part of me. And like it gives me life. And what is Torah Lashma? Since we mentioned Torah Lashma, the Alter Rebbe says, what is Lishma? What is the definition of Torah Lishma? This is a very important line over here. What does it mean? We say we always talk about learning Torah Lishma. What does it mean learning Torah Lishma? Torah Lishma means I'm learning Torah in order to be able to connect my Neshama to Hashem. Through understanding Torah, every person according to their understanding, This is the value of learning Torah, which transcends the value of we said that the reason why Torah is great because it teaches us mitzvahs. There's a value to Torah which goes beyond that. True Torah Lashma, when I'm learning Torah Lashma, is not because I need to know what to do. Not Leida Hamaisa Sher Yasum. It's not be, I'm not learning because I need to know what to do. It's because I'm connecting to the Ebrister. There's a Vart. There's a Vart also from the Rebbe, which later I saw a variation of it um, from the Brisker of. We know that we say Naasa Venishma. So classically, when we think of Nasav and Nishma, what are we thinking? We're thinking that, what is the greatness of Nasav and Nishma? No? Kabbalah soil, that's in Hasidic parlance, right? That we didn't say Nishma Venasa, let's hear and let's understand, and if, if we like it, we'll... Uh, but rather, Nasav and Nishma represented the submission of the Yidin Tashem. And their willingness to do whatever Hashem wants, whether they understand it or whether or not. The problem with that, if that's the only understanding of a Nasa and Ishma, is that we know the Gemara says that when the Yidin said Nasa and Ishma, so Hashem sent down angels, Malachim, and every single Yid received two crowns, one for Nasa and one for Nishma. 
Now, if the value of Nasav and Nishma is that it expresses the Yidin's submission, their Kabbalah Sayyid Tashem. In other words, had they said Nishma Venasa, how many crowns would they have gotten? One. No. Zip, right? Nothing. If they would have said, oh, Nishma, let's hear, and then we'll see, and we'll accept, they would have gotten nothing, right? So Nasa and Nishma, they should have gotten one crown. In other words, the greatness is not in its individual components. The greatness is in the way that they ordered it, that they put the order. So why are they getting two crowns? They should get one crown for their incredible submission to Hashem. And the answer to this, as has already been answered by others, the Masha, I believe, uh, even says this, is that once you put it in the proper order, then both Nasa and Nishma are both valuable. In other words, if, it's, if, you, were, if you say Nishma and Nasa, then neither are valuable. If you say Nasa and Nishma, then the Nasa, the doing the mitzvahs, becomes valuable, and the Nishma is also valuable. And the Rebbe explains. If we would say Nishma Venasa, then what, there would be two problems over here. If we'd say Nishma Venasa. Problem number one is that when I'm doing my Nasa, when I'm doing the mitzvah, it's not, my mitzvah is not being done with complete submission to Hashem. Why am I doing the mitzvah? Because it makes sense. Because it makes sense. So if I do Nishma Venasa, so then the nasa is compromised. My mitzvah is compromised because I'm not doing it with complete bittel and complete acceptance of the yoke. But if I say nishma venasa, then the nishma is also compromised. Why? Because then why am I learning? My learning also isn't pure. I'm learning nishma in order to have venasa, in order to know what to do. And that's not pure learning. Pure learning is not to know what to do. So with Nishma Venasa, I'm, I'm, both sides are compromised. The Nasa is compromised because it's not my, my doing mitzvahs is not being done with that humility and submission to Hashem that's necessary. And the Nishma is compromised because I'm learning with a reason, with a purpose. And that is to know what to do. When I do Nasa and Nishma, then I have a perfect Nasa and a perfect Nishma. First, I have Nasa. My Nasa is perfect. I'm doing what Hashem says without understanding. That's perfect. Now, obviously, if I'm already, if I did, if I already did nasa, I already know the halachas. So, what is the nishma afterwards for? Why am I learning? I'm not learning to know what to do because the nishma is following the nasa. That learning is pure also. So, the nasa is pure, the nishma is pure, and I get two crowns. The purest nishma, the purest studying of Torah, is not when I'm starting to know what to do. But when I'm studying to connect myself to, uh, to, to Hashem, because I understand I have this idea we're talking about over here, that the greatest unity possible with Hashem is to learning Torah. And in fact, in a later Perik, in Perik Mem, the Alter Rebbe says, that the Navi Yeshaya says, Hoi Behold, everyone who is thirsty, go drink water. And this obviously is a metaphor. So the Alter Rebbe asks, what kind of silly statement is that? <laughs> Imagine you come to me and you say, oh, Rabbi, Rabbi, I'm so thirsty, I'm so thirsty, what should I do? What do you mean, what should you do if you're thirsty? Go drink water, of course. What fool doesn't know that if you're thirsty, you have to drink water? What's the wisdom in the statement? So the Rabbi says, 
The Navi is telling people, all of you who are thirsty for a relationship with Hashem, l'chula ma'in go learn Torah. Because that's not obvious. And sometimes people are searching for a relationship with Hashem and they look for Him in other places. And they don't realize that where is where do you find Hashem? You're thirsty for Hashem? L'chula ma'in go learn Torah. That's the only way you're going to quench your thirst for Hashem. That's the only way you're going to have that incredible union with Hashem. And let's just finish off the last brackets of the Perikah. This is a little uh, Kabbalistical. In Ganeidin, we're talking about the, so the Mazoin, the, the, the sustenance, which is the Torah, is Oyer Pnimi. That's an, an energy, an Oyer, which is internal, which goes within, which is processed. The Lovushim, the garments in Ganeidin, which again, that is the garments come from our mitzvahs, those are makifim, those encompass. And therefore, Chazal tell us, This is why our Chazal tell us, ah, so let's go back. When we say, Why would that be the case? The answer is, because learning Torah is also a mitzvah. So when I learn Torah, I have the benefit of it being a mitzvah and that connection, plus the value of connecting to Hashem in a way which I can't through any other mitzvah. So that's why Limudat Torah is the equivalent of all the other mitzvahs. Why? Because mitzvahs are only garments. We mentioned Torah is also food and also the garment. Because when you learn Torah, you're encompassing and encompassed. So it has both, both advantages. When you're studying Torah. And especially, it's another Kabbalistical idea. When you're studying Torah and you say it verbally. So the, the breath that comes out becomes also an encompassing oyer. Which is similar to the idea of mitzvah, as said in Priyetzchayim. So, Peyrekei is about the incredible value of studying Torah. If you remember, I started off saying it's a little parenthetical, this Peyrek. In other words, in talking about the Nefshel Kis, it's really, it would have been enough to have Peyrek Dalit, where it talks about what is the Levushim and, and how to connect Hashem to Torah mitzvah. A whole chapter devoted just to what's so special about learning Torah is unnecessary, it would seem in order to understand what the neshama is. But apparently the Alter Rebbe felt that over here it's important enough to interject and to give us an idea of exactly how incredible the union through learning Torah is. And with this we conclude for now the, the saga, the story, the description of the Nefesh Shalakis. Again, Nefesh Shalakis, it's substance, it's core components of Seichel and Midas, it's Levushim Machshav Maisa, it's goals which are Torah and Mitzvahs, and in Perik Vav, we take a turn to the dark side and we're going to start analyzing the Nefshah Bahamas, the animal soul. Next week, Emir Tzashem. Have a good Shabbos, everyone.